Hey, hey, it's KJ. Welcome to the Midwest Bias Podcast, and thanks for tuning in. We have a pretty long show as it is, so I'm not going to say much here except a little bit of a warning, I guess, for lack of a better term. Uh, it's very annoying to me, probably to you. Um, you'll hear some microphone static or buzzing throughout the episode today, mostly during the first segment with the Midwest guest co-host, but you'll hear it throughout the episode. I'm working on trying to figure out what it is, but can't do anything about it at this stage. So it's there today, hopefully not next episode. So I apologize for that. Also, we have no podcast reviews since November of 2021. So please remember that you can leave a podcast review, uh, Apple Podcasts. Apparently it helps a lot. I'm not sure how. I did notice that at some point, someone gave us a one star. All, all the other ones are five stars. So that brings the rating down to 4.8. There was no written review with that one star. So I don't know what that person didn't like. But at that point, the Minnesota nice side of me says, if you don't like it, don't leave a review. But I know that's not how it works. Some people just like to share what they don't like. So I'm, I love reading those reviews, but it's been so long since I've read one, I'm, I'm really missing them. And I know part of that, or all of that, is due to us not having very many episodes in the last six months or a year. But I'm thinking if the podcast gets more five-star reviews, maybe that's something we'll send a sticker out for. Just a thought. Anyway, enough out of me. Let's get to our Midwest guest co-host. Time for the Midwest guest co-host. She's the best co-host of the day. Yeah, it's the Midwest guest co-host. Yeah, you bet you she'll know just what to say. Well, yes, it is time for the Midwest guest co-host. And I am welcoming back, since our last episode, the same Midwest guest co-host. It's the Hall of Famer. All right. Thanks for having me. Welcome back. Thanks for coming on. Let's see. The last episode I looked back and it was July 1st. So we had covered our trip to Washington. We had covered our trip to Montana. We had covered the Washington, D.C. trip. We haven't talked about our July 4th trip and the whirlwind trip we were just on, the whirlwind Midwest trip. And we haven't talked about the time in between the July 4th trip and the whirlwind Midwest trip. It's like a summer finale, really. It's really been a busy summer. We said, like, I thought last year was a busy summer where we decided to catch up on not visiting anyone because of COVID, but this was seemed just as busy. Yeah, it was nuts. So we've gotten some requests to, somebody said, can't remember who it was, somebody said, I can't keep up with you. Hashtag where in the world is KJ in the Hall of Famer. And you know, we used to do where in the world is KJ on speaking of tangents. And so now we're just going to do where in the world is the Hall of Famer and KJ. And we went to Nashville over the 4th of July. We were gone. We, we road tripped you, Mama, and me. And the pup. And Rue. Rue came with too. And we we thought we were going to buy, but we borrowed your parents' awesome RV. Yeah, we look pretty cool. Yeah, that's a different story about the whole who 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 owns the RV. But <sighs> we borrowed it, and it worked great. We borrowed it for a specific reason to make things easier for Mama. But we had a great time in Nashville. We visited my family. We went we went hiking. It was so hot. 
in Nashville. It was like, I swear, uh, one of those days where every day we felt like we were going to melt. Yes, every day. Every day. It was was the hottest five days known to humankind. (laughs) I, I mean, it was, it felt like it. I know that's not true, but it was so hot. You were just soaking wet, all of us. But anyway, we went hiking anyway, trying to go on shady trails and yeah. what else did we and do? And we tried to do it all in the morning. But the cool thing was, mm-hmm. is this this year was different because normally when we go to visit, the girls are there the whole time. The nieces are there the whole time. Well, this, this year, it just happened to, uh, the time we went down happened to be at the same time that they were at day camp all week. So our activities were different than we normally do. They're more normally more um, child-centered. Mm-hmm. And this time, uh, we did more adult activities during the day. Like, we went for a hike, and then we went to a brewery and had yes. a lovely, lovely sandwich. Hot chicken sandwich. Excellent. Yeah, you and my brother did. Oh, so good. So good. So, yeah, it was different. It was fun. We had a, We had a really good time. It was fun, and then we also, of course, Brandy Carlisle was playing, so we went to both of her shows, and mm-hmm. one time we went, one of the nights, we the second night, we went to the sound check first. Well, the first night we got rained out, and were actually evacuated from the facility when the opening acts were playing. That was quite interesting. We were soaked. But we are soaked with great company. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we had a great time during the rain delay. But it just made for a longer night, and it, it was great. But this it's interesting. The crowds were so different Friday mm-hmm. and Saturday night. You know, people aren't usually such diehards where they go to multiple concerts in, in the same, you know, you're seeing, you're seeing mostly the same songs. You're hearing mostly the same songs. But the, it was fun to feel the energy from one night to the next, totally different. Same songs are almost the same songs. So it's interesting how crowds can make a huge difference. I'm sure the musicians notice that. I think so. I most certainly did. Mm-hmm. That second night, they were just way more. I felt like they were way more into it. The, the crowd was. Yeah. yeah, a lot more people standing and dancing, which is our preference when we mm-hmm. see Brandy. Uh, but it could have been because of the rain out. Too. I think so. Probably people were probably just tired because it did get delayed a couple hours and we didn't get to see as much of the opening acts. Mm-hmm. You know, it was very, very shortened. Which delayed. we were all ready for at that point. Just yes. bring on Brandy. Yes, Just bring exactly. On Brandy. Yeah. So Brandy got to play her full, her yes. full set. Yes. And she brought out Winona Judd and everybody flipped out because that oh, was yeah. a surprise. And it was very cool. Yeah, that was fun. Anyway, so we did that. And then the, the final concert, the next morning we left. It happened to be the night before we took off for home. And let's see, about... We took it. We took it in two days, and the mm-hmm. second day of the road trip home, the Hall of Famer says, "I got kind of a scratchy throat. I, uh, I hope I'm not getting sick. I think it's just allergies." Well, it wasn't. Nope. Yeah, I just had kind of like a tickle in my throat. It was weird. It's some. It it was different than what I normally have. Yeah, because we were hoping it was just allergies, but mm-hmm. the COVID. Yeah. Finally got us. Got hit with the COVID. After two and a half years of, well, after two probably full years of being really cautious and then deciding, you got to kind of live a little. And then there was a lull where we thought it was better. And then another lull where we thought it was better. And I don't know if we got sick in Nashville or on the drive home, but we got hit with that 
latest variant. I think it's number five. Mm-hmm. At least they think that's what it is because Nashville is really peaking at that time. So the Hall of Famer got sick, didn't feel great. But then the next morning when you were supposed to start your new job, yeah, you had a fever and uh, took a test and positive. Yeah. And I don't normally get fevers. And I kept checking my temperature and it just kept going up and up. I'm like, okay, I have a fever. I get it. I, I'm not going to keep taking this because I know I have a fever. I took the test. It was positive. Change of plans. Working from home. Luckily, I could work from home. Yeah, you you did. You were lucky. They gave you a, they brought you a hotspot out here and you were able to do video conferences. Mm-hmm. And I was hoping I'd get away with it. I went to work because technically the CDC rules, I think we reacquainted ourselves with all that. As long as, as long as I didn't have symptoms, I could go to work. So I did go to work the first day back and then I had symptoms the next day. And so did my mom. I think my mom had symptoms one day before me. Yeah. And all three of us got it. We're very worried about my mom and with her comorbidities and she wasn't looking good. None of us were looking good. We tried to get her in to get the Paxlovid, which is that antiviral. And she got it. And she did quite well. Mm-hmm. We're very oh, yeah. lucky. We're very happy. And she was very lucky. She was the best out of all of us. She was the best out of all of us. She, I, I found it particularly brutal. I'm telling, let this be a PSA. To don't, don't let your guard down. It was awful. And we've all been vaccinated. All of the times, except for the the booster, the Hall of Famer and I don't qualify for it, technically. Mama had the booster, so she might have done really well because she had the booster and because she was on the Paxlovid. But, I, I mean, we don't have to talk about this incessantly, but if there are people that think you're scot-free, I don't, mm-hmm. just don't put your guard down. You do mm-hmm. not want to get this, at least from our experiences, it Really, I think I was the worst. I went on the Paxlovid as well. The, the doctor said I qualified. They said, are you, you want us to check? Because we were calling for my mom because she was too sick to call for herself. And um, we were calling around and they, they said she qualified for it. And then they said, do you want us to check and see if you qualify? And the Hall of Famer was too late. You're supposed to start that medication, I think, within three days of having a positive test. Well, I had asked if I if I should take that from my provider oh yeah and she said no she said no she said i wouldn't qualify for it yeah but you would have if you had spoken to the lady that we yeah. were speaking to because she just handed it out like candy yeah and so i said sure you can check if i qualify because i i really didn't want to feel like that one more single day i wanted to get this going faster and i wanted to get better because it was awful mm-hmm well, I took one dose of Paxlovid and had some sort of allergic reaction and ended up in the ER um, for just a couple hours, not even an hour probably. And I won't talk about that particular experience yet. I'm going to wait until we have a resolution and then I may tell about that experience at some point. But now we are fine. All three of us are doing pretty well. It took a long time. I'm still not back to working out the way I want to. Yeah, not good. Yeah, I I think the worst part, I know we're going to be done talking about this, but I think I think the worst part was just how tired I was. Like I really didn't feel good, but I was so tired. I had to take a nap every day and I don't take naps. Yeah. And I took multiple naps some days. 
Yeah. And even like two weeks later, I still didn't have that much energy. Like we went golfing and, and that was probably two or three weeks later. Yeah. And I was, I was tired. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is hard work. And we had a cart. And we didn't walk. Yeah. We were riding in a cart and it was 18 holes and yeah. we were both pretty tired. Although interestingly enough, we both played pretty well. Yeah. I, I thought, you know, if you're that tired, you're going to stink up the joint, but we actually played pretty well that We day. had to give it all of our energy. Yeah. It, it, yeah, I don't know if, if anybody out there has had COVID and wants to share their experience with with us. I, I, it was, I did definitely, I definitely did not fall into the category of, oh, it was no big deal. No, yeah. it was a big deal. Uh, I, at one point I told the Hoffer, I don't think I'm ever going to feel good again. Yes, I don't, she did. <laughs> I don't think I'm ever going to feel myself again. I don't think I'll ever be the same. Yeah. I mean, it just felt like this was it. This is how you're going to feel forever. Yeah. Get used to it. It was not good. No. Not good at all. No. Yeah. And all three of us started with the same symptom, that tickle in the throat. It really wasn't like a, a sore throat. It was more like a tickle. Like you felt like it was deep in the back of your throat, like you had to cough. It was very different. It was. And then I had, you didn't have this, but I had really bad body aches and a mm-hmm. fever and a sweating profusely. And yeah. then for days afterwards, when I didn't have a fever, I was still sweating all the time, just sweating everywhere. It was miserable. Yeah. I had that lingering uh, yeah. fever too for yep. several days, which mm-hmm. is really odd too. Yep. But the weird thing for me, and most people didn't have this recently, is I did lose my taste. Or it was very dulled, I should say. Like a lot of things I couldn't really taste very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was different. I've certainly never had that before. But you know how you lose your taste when you've had a cold? It's different than that. Oh. It was different. Like I could taste the, it. And oh, who was I talking? I was talking to somebody yesterday. No, a couple days ago. That's right. My, my friend Trisha. And she was saying that it was almost like my taste buds had feelings. Like I could... I could taste that something was sugary, like you could tell, but I couldn't actually, I couldn't actually taste that it was sugary. It was mm. really odd. I'm going to have to refute all this and just say that it's due to feeling stuffed up that you couldn't taste because I think the last time we had a podcast episode, I ranted and raved about losing your taste and smell is not part of the, it's, that's not a symptom anymore. So I'm going to say that that's not, that wasn't COVID related because mama and I didn't have that. Wrong. You're so, wrong. I definitely had it. You're tasting it was weird. now. I am. I'm back right. in the game now. And it and it was only gone for maybe a week or so, mm-hmm. and then it slowly came back. Yeah. But most people have actually lost it due to COVID. Some of them had it months later, yes. and they still can't taste I got lucky. I got lucky. Because it, got... it was the stuffiness. Is okay. Why couldn't taste it. Sure, sure. Anyway, don't get this if you can help it. Don't get it. Uh, and then what do we do? We came home, and thankfully, if I had to get it, that was the week to get it because I was I I was able to I went to work the one day because I didn't have symptoms and then you know I was just they didn't want me in to work so I was able to recover before we had another trip so we still were able to make all of our trips we went up to the big top in Bayfield Wisconsin a couple of weeks ago oh, and yeah. saw Brandy a solo show and I shook Brandy's hands she sure I shook, did I shook Brandy's hand. Yeah, we have I have video, video evidence. evidence if anyone wants yep. to see it. Uh, it was it was fantastic. We got rained out of that show, but it allowed me to shake Brandy's hand, so <laughs> I'm okay with that. 
that was really the start of an epic week. Mm-hmm. When we came home and we were home for another week or three, no, three days. Like, yeah. And then this but- was the whirlwind Midwest tour is where, and then we went to, uh, we got to back it up. We can't be done with Bayfield yet. Okay. Well, what do you want to say about Bay? Bay- I mean, people don't really care about our, I don't think people care about the whole where in the world is KJ, but I have had people ask where we have been, where we're going. They can't keep up with us. But I, I don't want to sit there and be like, I shook Brandy's hand. Let's talk about it for an hour. Okay. Well, there's more to it than you just shaking her hand. Okay. Okay. It was so fun. And she did two shows there this year. And we went with some friends, a nice group of friends. They're awesome. Mm-hmm. And we went to Soundcheck with our buddies Paulette and Lake Lover. Yep. Oh. Hang on. It's the name drop, name drop of the week. Yes, we went with Paulette and Lake Lover and Lori and Terry. Yeah. It, oh. We just had a blast because it's a very different kind of venue. It only holds about 900 people and it's a tent. Mm-hmm. And so it was just, the whole vibe is just different. It's really laid back. But anyway, I, I won't say much more that we, ju- we just had so much fun and we're already planning on going back next year. And by the end, uh, Brandy's doing three shows next year. And all of us were like, we're going to all three. So it yeah, was just way more intimate. And, mm-hmm. you know, I said- we were at Soundcheck and right front and center at Soundcheck. And I actually spoke to Brandy the most I've ever spoken to her back and forth dialogue for a little bit. And so I think she recognized me when she shook my hand and she actually came in for like a bro hug. So again, video evidence does exist. Thank you, Lori. Oh, hang on. It's the name drop, name drop of the week. Minneapolis Lori took a video. I did not know this. It was, it was awesome. And the thing I liked about that venue. So if anybody is lives in Wisconsin or Minnesota or or wants to come to Bayfield next year with us for Brandy, it, it it's one of those venues which you don't see much anymore. There's no, you park your car and if you want to go buy merch or something before the show. You can go right back out to your car really quickly, put your stuff in your car and go back. It's just, it's, uh, it feels laid, it's really laid back and intimate. And I highly encourage people to go up there and see that. Plus Bayfield is beautiful. It's, it's right on Lake Superior and it's just, everything was great. We're going to all three shows next year. (laughs) Yes, we are. And two final things. One, when she was talking about that you can you know, go back to your car or whatever. It's because they check you in as you're driving in. So you stop at the gate, they check you in and that's when they look at your tickets and everything. So it's just very odd. So you could have a car full of booze and food and it's like, they don't even care. Yes. But the flip side of that is we were a little concerned that there was no security there, no metal detectors, nothing like that. I think Brandy needs to beef up her security. And the second thing I will mention Final thing, promise, before we move on, is that at these shows, it's just a solo show. So it's just Brandy, although Brandy's wife uh, did perform with her and that was excellent. But it, so it's a very different show to begin with. Very mm-hmm. different vibe and different songs and oh, it was so fun. Yeah, it really was great. 
Then we came home. We were home for three days, and then we went to Green Lake, Wisconsin, visited our buddies Karen and Amber. Oh, hang on. It's the name drop, name drop of the week. And Karen and Amber took us golfing at their course, Lasonia, that we've been there. We went there last summer. It was fabulous. They have two different courses. They have a Woodlands and a Lynx course. I will not, I repeat, I will not go into our scores or or how we played, <laughs> although we all played fairly well. We have a tournament later in September for your your brother's memorial tournament, and we, we're feeling pretty good like we might win the tournament. So yeah, we're, we'll, we'll let you know. We're very confident. We're, we're, we might be a little too confident, but yeah, yeah we're going to win. We'll be top four at least. Maybe, yeah. At least. We might be in the money. And then, uh, yeah, we might be. And then Karen, who is Karen Middlestat, a co- co-host on this show, you know, she, they live on that 17th, overlooking the 17th tea box. Tea box. And so I love to sta- sit out on that, stand out of that porch and see people hit their tea shots. But they also have a what Karen calls a lake house, not a cabin or a cottage, but a lake house on Green Lake. So one morning or, or one afternoon, they took us on a pontoon ride around Green Lake. That was my first ride on Green Lake. It was very fun. I love pontoon rides. And we played pickleball for the first time, and I really enjoyed pickleball. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. We mm-hmm. definitely need to do that again. So if there's any pickleball fans out there, holler at you, girl. It was a busy trip. It was a busy trip. And then and we're not done and yet. And we're not done yet. Then we left uh, next morning. We stopped in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin to see my buddy Sarah Schultz. Oh. Hang on. It's the name drop, name drop of the week. And her hubby Steve. And we went out to lunch. And then we went back to their house because we'd never seen their house. Got a little tour. And then from there we went. Oh, they also took us to the uh, the creamery. Can't forget about that. The, the dairy. The Kelly's? Kelly's. Kelly's, Kelly's creamery. creamery. Wow. that They claim that their ice cream... Does not it, it doesn't affect lactose intolerant people because they don't homogenize it or something. I don't quite understand. But so I actually got some ice cream, which I typically don't. It was very good. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I was affected as much. I can't say I was not affected. Yep. And it was voted best ice cream in America by Good Morning America, I believe, mm-hmm. in 2013. Yeah, but not since then. So what does that mean? You, you can't win it every year. Or even every two or three years. Well, but to get it once, that's amazing. It is, because it's out in the middle of nowhere yes. in the country in Wisconsin. So, and then, then then from that dairy, we went on to Milwaukee, arrived fairly late in the evening, or afternoon. Afternoon. And then we went to see Brandy in Milwaukee. It Shocker. Was, it was our final show for Brandy this summer, I think. Yes. And... That was awesome, too. It was a wonderful way to wrap up our Brandy Carlisle shows for the year. It was really fun. Great shows. Oh, and we also went to Brandy in St. Paul. Yes, we did. With, Which uh, was another awesome yes, show. That with, was amazing. Yes, with our buddy Mel Shields. Oh, hang on. It's the name drop, name drop of the week. And and hubby Gary, we had a great time. We went to the Urban Growl Growler. Oh, wow! What a week we've had, and yeah. we're not even done yet. Yeah. So please let us know if you're tired of hearing about this stuff, because <laughs> you know we don't need to just keep going on and on. But I have to say, summer is my favorite season. 
a lot of times when people ask me that question, oh, I don't know. I love the fall. I love the spring. I love the summer. Winter's kind of cool too, but I really love summer. I love the summer nights. I love the coolness of the summer nights. I love how hot it gets, although it's getting a little too hot nowadays. I just love being able to, I love the longer days. I love being, you know, it doesn't get dark till eight or nine o'clock. We You've said love. You've said love about 10 times in the past minute. Very impressive. I love summer. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And and I'm going to tell you what, the next time we talk about where we've been, there's not going to be no. nearly as much to say. No, but we aren't done yet. No, the we're not. The next morning we left from Milwaukee and we drove to Frankfurt, Michigan for the Summer Littles event. The summer- because why wouldn't we? It's a six and a half hour drive. We but it took us longer because of a situation mm. at the toll. I think, you know, if we weren't running behind, we would tell that story. But I don't know. You're shaking your head like we should tell that story. I think that should be a story for another day. All right. So the situation at the toll, we'll explain some other time. Yeah, we'll see if people want that story or not. I, I don't uh-huh. know. Yeah, tell us if you want to hear the toll situation. Yeah. But we, we drove up specifically to Frankfurt for the Summer of Littles event. The event started at 5. We were not able to get there on time. We got there at 6, but we just had a blast. Ed Butt and Rick, who uh, co-owner of Storm Cloud, Brewery, Storm Cloud Brewery, hosted the event, and we saw Ed Butt and his wife Leslie, and there was about eight of us there. Chris Davenport, Kim Wilson was there, Chris Lane and his wife Rhonda, it, it, we, we had a nice time. And then that there, I guess there was a virtual uh, venue on the iPad, which I didn't notice for quite a while before we got there. But anyway, we had a great time. It was a little crazy to drive all the way up there for, I mean, five hours maybe. Yeah. And then we went back to Ed's house and tried to watch the sunset. Not much of a sunset, but it was great. All of us went back, had a nice talk. Kim Wilson and Ed both gave us some more beer to try on the show. Thank you, Kim and Ed. I had my fair share of stouts that evening, and I picked up a new stout that I love from Storm Cloud, Storm Cloud Brewer. I can't say it. You say Storm Cloud Brewery three times. Well, you just said it really good there. Yeah. Uh, and then the next morning, we got up really early, drove to Ludington, Michigan, got on the ferry, took the ferry across to Manitowoc, Wisconsin, had lunch with our, our buddy Sarah, and... Just then from there, we finally drove home. So it was a whirlwind. I was sad that we weren't able to see Steve Oswald in Milwaukee. He was busy. But actually, it was hard. Once we got settled in, I don't think we would have had time anyway. Yeah. Between that, during that week, I mean, if we added up all the different people we saw, it was amazing. Such a fun time. Yes. And you might think, well, they're they're not being that careful for just having COVID. We were. Uh, um, everything was outside except for the concert. We wore masks in the concert. We kind of distanced ourselves from other fans in the concert as much as we could. And we're supposed to have some immunity after having COVID. You're supposed to have, you're supposed to not be able to get it, but don't trust me. We're taking, Mm -hmm. we're being super cautious right now because I do not want to get this again ever. It's bad news. All right. So that's 30 minutes of nonstop chatter about where we've been on vacation and it just feels a little braggy. I don't know. A little braggadocious. <laughs> so I'm just going to lean back on what people said they want to know where we've been. So why we haven't had a podcast episode, that's why. It's their fault, really, that we're doing this. Yeah, it's that all way. your fault for yeah. asking. Yeah. 
Uh, so anyway, we have one question from the Michelle Pendleton questions that she wrote to us a while back so that we could still have a podcast. I guess it turns out we can still have a podcast <laughs> without questions because we just went 30 minutes on what we've been doing. But the, the final question from that we didn't cover last time we had an episode was from Michelle, uh, Michelle Pendleton. And she said, I think I heard KJ say that nachos would definitely be a part of her baseball game experience. Do you have a go-to stadium food? Do the twins have something in its stadium that is uniquely Midwestern or from Minnesota? It's a great question. Yeah, uh, it, is. it is all about the nachos. We love the nachos, and well, you can get them. You can get them at any stadium, and you can get them in the helmet and mm-hmm. all that. But and I do love those dearly. But uh, at least at our stadium, at the Twins Stadium. I would say they have, you know, more local beer and things like that, but they do have a stand that is uh, state fair food. So any so some of the most popular food that you'll see at the state fair, like the mini donuts. Yeah, but or a lot of things on a stick, uh-huh. whether it's a corn dog or maybe it's a pork chop on a mm-hmm. stick or whatever it is, because that's that's the thing. At least in Minnesota, it's like what exactly can you put on a stick and sell? And deep fry. Uh-huh. At the state fair. So I would say that's probably the biggest thing at our yeah. stadium. I don't know. I don't think this is this is not uniquely Minnesotan in geographical terms, but it is because it's about a it's a former Minnesota players. And he was just inducted in the Hall of Fame, Tony Oliva. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Uh he has a Cuban sandwich that we've gotten only once or twice, but a lot of people love that Cuban sandwich. Yeah. Tony O's is what it's Tony called. Tony O's. Yep. But you failed to mention my go-to ballpark food is homemade salad and artisanal dressing. <laughs> oh, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> but when we do go to different ballparks, I like to get what is popular in their area. So I won't go to another stadium and just get nachos. I like Except to see. Except for Miller Park. I'm not calling it AmFam Stadium. It's Miller Park. Yeah. They have really good nachos there. Do they? So if I go back there, it's been a long time since I've been there, but if I go back there, I'm going to get the nachos. Yeah. So I, I always like to know kind of what is there. Although they'd probably have good brats at that stadium. Oh, they better. I'm just not a brat fan. Yeah, I am. Or a hot I'd dog have, fan. I'd have a brat. Yeah, I know you would. Mm-hmm. You had a brat on this trip. Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... Let's see. Let's think of the stadiums we've gone to. I, the only thing that stands out in my mind of food that we've gotten at stadiums that most of the time you think of what you've liked. But I remember at the San Francisco Giants Stadium, you know, it's California. So they had like some vegetarian burger or mm. something like that that I tried. They would. That was terrible. Yeah. I would not recommend getting that. That was absolutely terrible. I think I remember- it tasted like cardboard. <laughs> I think I remember getting uh, really enjoying the food at the Baltimore Baltimore Orioles Stadium. Yeah, Camden Yards. I think Jen Babish. Oh, hang on. It's the name drop, name drop of the week. I think it was Jen Babish who recommended we go. It was like a barbecue yes. stand there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do like to try the local food there. Uh, at the specific part, but those are some that come to mind. Mine was something I hated. Hoffer's was something she loved. Okay, and speaking of Michelle Pendleton, maybe we'll ask her that same question next. 
It's time for a non-Midwesterner to join the show. Probably from the east, west, or southern coast. Tell us what they know and where they think we should go. it is time for our token non-Midwesterner of the week. And we're welcoming to the show today from Houston, Texas, bringing that Houston, Texas bias, Michelle Pendleton. Hey, KJ. Hey, Hopper. Hey, hey. Hopper, there it is. Oh, boy. Mm -hmm. So is that what you say in your head, Michelle, when you see it written, Hopper? Yes, that's what I, when I see it, I, I pronounce it Hoffer. Yep. Yeah. I have to ask everybody this. So first of all, we have to have you meet the Karen condition. That's right. I want to know this about everybody. How in the world do you know KJ? So can you please explain how you and I know each other? So we actually don't know each other in person at all. I okay. got to know who you were through listening to the Tony Kornheiser show and have always been a fan of your jingles because there aren't too many women who actually do jingles. And then somehow I came, you know, came across a bunch of littles on Twitter. And so I got to see you on Twitter. And then when you started the Midwest Bias Pod, every single episode, I was like, oh yeah, I, I completely understand that. Yes, I do. <laughs> so I've been there from the first episode of Midwest Bias. Well, that's awesome. Thank you. I'm glad I'm glad you're finally on. Well, thank you. Well, here's my question. So if you feel those ways, are you originally like a Midwesterner? Yeah, you know, it's just, you know, like, I was it even the very first episode? Yeah, you know, somebody was talking about crockpots. I'm like, oh, oh, these are my people. <laughs> the crockpot nation. Yes, that was Kim Wilson. So, you know, and it's just kind of like every time there's, you know, something on the episode and it doesn't even take, a, you know, even to the first five minutes, I'm like, I need to send a note. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's the, I'm not sure. And I think we've talked about this on Twitter. Sometimes it's just, you know, my, my mom came from the Midwest. She grew up in Iowa. And I don't know if it's, you know, having family that came from the Midwest or if it's just an age thing. You know, the, mm -hmm. having a mom who was the daughter of a depression era person, you know, yeah. I think there's just, you know, some of that kind of goes down through the generations. But the only time I, I lived in the Midwest when I went to Northwestern, but that's it. So I don't know where it comes from, but I'm like, these are my people. These are my people. So you answered the first question. So I'm kind of switching things up a little bit. I'm going to just ask this. Same three questions of every guest. So maybe if I just have these three questions, everybody knows what they are. It we can get more episodes out there. Yeah. So the first question is, where have you been? Meaning, where have you lived? Where? And so it sounds like you've lived in Illinois to go to Northwestern, which the Hoffer would say is not in the Midwest. Nope. Which she is wrong. I thought I thought Chicago counted, but um, so I am originally from Colorado. Yes. And I um, grew up in Aurora, which is a suburb of Denver. And then um, parents built a house in Parker, which is, you know, at the time, middle of nowhere. 
And so I lived there until I graduated high school. And then I went to Chicago, well, Evanston to go to Northwestern mm-hmm. University. And that's where I met my husband and he got a job in Houston. So I went to Houston and we were there for about eight years and he decided that he would like to go get an uh, MBA. And I said, okay. So we went back to Northwestern and out of that, we ended up in Northern Virginia, just outside of DC for about three and a half years and then to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and then back to Houston. And we've been here for almost 14 years on our second time around. Wow. What brought you back to Houston? So my husband, with he was he's in oil. And so ExxonMobil's headquarters were in Northern Virginia. And then they transferred him to a plant in Baton Rouge. And then he switched to a different energy company, which brought us back to Houston. So okay. where we live now, and I'm jumping to the second question, where are we now? We're in what's called the Energy Corridor. It's the west side of Houston, and a lot of the um, like BP's headquarters are out here. Um, ConocoPhillips headquarters are out here. And then ironically, my husband's now working for a different energy company that's way downtown. So he has to commute downtown. Oh. So we, when the hurricane came through, what was that, yes. five years ago now maybe? five years in a, about a week from now. Okay. Wow. Good where ball. were you in a, the, was it the Western part or where did it hit the whole city? Uh, forgive my ignorance on this. Oh, that's okay. Cause the thing about hurricanes is every single storm is different. And what made Harvey such a terrible storm was that it got stuck. So it was a really big storm. Like if you go from like one side to the other side, it was had like a big diameter. And then once it got into land, it just sat there and dumped, oh, I'm going to have the wrong number of inches, but it was like more than 50 inches of rain that it just dumped on the city. So depending on where you were, I mean, Houston is mostly built to drain big, big rains, like these rains that you're seeing in um, Kentucky and that kind of thing. Those kinds of rains, we get, you know, pretty much every spring and they've got these big drainage systems. And most of the time it takes care of everything. But since we had so much rain, it just overtopped everything. So we have what they call bios and they're just, they're big cement ditches and that they eventually drain out to the Gulf of Mexico. And the one by our house overtopped and went, oh gosh, it went a long ways because our particular, the neighborhood I'm in, about a third of the houses were flooded. And in the immediate neighborhood to our West, about two thirds of the houses were flooded. Wow. What about your house? Did it, was it okay? We were, so we were far enough North that we did not get flooded. And it was, part of it was the way, the way the bayou curved. Ours, it was like it was at the very southern part of our neighborhood. So when it overtopped, like the first two streets that were closest to the bayou, they those flooded. But then everything else was it was you know on a slope going uphill. So we did not. And then it, what we ended up doing was we had um, we have a neighborhood pool and there's like a pavilion. And so we put together kind of like a little free hardware store for lack of a better word. So people across the country, like we put together a Amazon list 
and people sent N95 masks and Clorox wipes and shop vacs so that you could, you know, try to get the water out of your house and fans. And I, oh, I can't That's even think idea. of all the things that, because, I mean, there was, I mean, the entire city, it wasn't just our neighborhood. It was yeah, the yeah. entire city was flooded. So you could go to the Home Depot, but they weren't going to have anything. So people could come to where we were and we had all this stuff that people had sent from across the country and they could just come and pick up what they needed and then go, um, I mean, it's stuff like, you know, you had to, you know, tear out your drywall Mm -hmm. and everybody was having to tear out their drywall. That was, I mean, that was the thing that we could do. Like if, if you weren't flooded, you know, you could help man the stations and help people help talk people through what they needed to do. Cause in our particular neighborhood, we also have a, um, it's a dam and they had to, in order to keep the dam from overtopping, they opened up the floodgates and that actually flooded more people in our, in these two neighborhoods because they were trying to keep the dam from overtopping, which would have caused huge damage, more damage than was actually, you know, done to those people. So it took almost two weeks before their homes didn't have water in them. So for two wow. weeks, they're trying, you know, they don't know what they can do. I mean, in some of them, they would, um, they'd bring a boat in and like go to their upstairs and retrieve as much stuff as they could, because that was, that was the only thing they could do. And there, you know, there's no electricity, so everything's molding. So they're just trying to salvage whatever they can before they're, before they can get back in their houses. So once they could, then you know, we could kind of talk them through okay, here's, you know, you're going to need an N95 mask. You're going to need, um, you know, these kind of gloves. You're going to need this and just kind of talk them through the different steps and give them some phone numbers. We had a lot of church groups that came and helped people cut out their side not siding, their drywall and at least get, you know, get everything gutted out. So that was the, that's what we were able to do because, you know, because we did not have flooding in our houses. With the, it, it, when there's water, standing water for two weeks, can you even salvage your house? It sounds like, it sounds like you can if you get rid of the drywall, but it doesn't totally rot out the whole house. No. So for, the, because it was actually like, it was almost like having a river going through their houses for two weeks. And on top of that, and here's way too much information. We had, there was, um, a um, sewer plant that was, you know, that mm-hmm. this water was also going through. I mean, I mean, flood water is just dirty anyway, yeah. but it was, I mean, it was stinky and gross. And then as people were cleaning, you know, basically most people had to take out everything from, usually you have to go at least, you know, up the four feet from the bottom floor. Some people had to go all the way up to their, to the ceiling of the first floor. And they just had to gut everything. Wow. But the most people, most people, the, like the bones of the house were okay. We, they, we didn't have a lot of homes where the homes were actually moved off of their foundations. There were other places where that happened. Like, you know, the, just the power of the water moved the houses off of, you know, off of their foundation where you could see where it had started and where it ended up. So those are, there were some houses that had to be completely torn down, but most people, if they chose to tear it down, it was because they wanted to go ahead and rebuild and rebuild at a higher level mm-hmm. because 
if it happened once, then it might happen again. And they've already got so much damage, they may as well just start over. So yeah. we did have a reasonable number of people who you know rebuilt. We had, I would say, more people who just you know tore everything down to the bare bones and you know rebuilt the parts that had been damaged. But yeah, it was it was a lot of work, and it took a lot. You know, people, you know, when something like that happens, you're like, okay, let's get going. And it's like, this is going to be a marathon. This is not going to happen real fast. And I mean, I still, there was one neighbor, they were, they had a really bad builder. And so they just got back into their house and it's been almost five years. Oh, geez. Yeah, that's, that is tough. <laughs> yeah. And you, you hear Tony Kornheiser sometimes say when, when natural disasters like this happen, why don't those people just move? But it's not that easy. You don't if you don't have the money like Kornheiser, if you have a job there or whatever, you just can't up and move. Also, places in the country aren't getting any like there aren't that many safe places in this country anymore from global warming. No, oh, I mean that you can just as what a week ago they had the big floods in Kentucky, and then they had yes. the floods in um, St. Louis. Denver just mm -hmm. got a bunch of you know real heavy rains that flooded. There, these are places that are not used to having big rains and yeah. the amount of damage that it can do. Yep. Now, I've got a bit of a sidebar before we continue because I can't get it out of my mind, but it does pertain. So you were calling this, I, and I'm, I'm visualizing it as uh, this bayou you're talking about, as like a, a, a cement structure that takes in all the water and it moves it along. Is that yes. correct? Okay. Yes. I've heard it called like a canal. Is that uh, like people? Yeah. Is it different than a canal? I would say you could call it a canal too. People don't use that particular part of it. Like, you know, for boating or anything like that, it's strictly mm -hmm. to where water's moving, but on the tops of the bayou that, you know, you like by ours, it's called Terry Hershey park and it's got, you know, all kinds of paths where you can do bike riding and jogging and, but the purpose of it is flood control. And it's yeah, just, so you know, 95% of the time you don't need to use it for flood control. Yeah. Okay. So I'm picturing the, I'm picturing the same thing, just a different word, I think, different wording. Okay. So the bayou, that's a different bayou than, so a lot of times you're saying there's no water in it at all. It's just cement. Or it's real low. Like you can, you can go online and it will tell you like where it is, you know, you know, how far, how much water's in it and how close it is to the top of the gauge and that kind of thing. Okay. But yeah, okay. for the, for the most part, it's just, you know, it's got a little bit of water and it's, it's always running, but it, the recreation is on the land above it. Okay. So this, when I, you know, I went to grade school in Louisiana and we had bayous and those, I was thinking that bayous were not man-made, but it sounds like the bayous you're talking about are man-made. But the bayous in Louisiana, you did go on a boat and you did, you know, look for alligators and look for wildlife. Is this, am I talking about two different things? Yeah, two different things. So yeah, okay. the kind that you would do a tour in Louisiana and you would see like all the Acadia trees and that kind of yes. thing. That is not this at all. These are all okay. man-made structures. I was going to say, Michelle Pendleton, if you're telling me that bayous are man-made, you have blown my mind tonight. <laughs> but now I get it. They're two different things. Oh, and now I feel, now I feel, um, settled that I feel like I can, I can move on now. 
Sorry, sorry for any any confusion on that one. No, I think that's good because I've never heard of a bayou. I think I've heard them called canals. I might have to get out the Google and look at all these different <laughs> terms. I'll have to. I'll try to send y'all a picture so that way you can you can visualize what it is. Yeah, yes, send us please. a picture. And I liked how you said y'all. Did you start <laughs> out when you grew up in Colorado? Did you say y'all? When did you start using that term? I am not aware of using y'all before, probably before we got to Houston. But Houston really is, well, I always thought, oh, you know, if I have, you know, if we have kids, you know, they'll have these, these Texas accents. Houston is such an international city that there really mm-hmm. isn't an accent around here. Yeah. Yeah. But everybody says y'all. Everybody says y'all. So I think we might have to ask Christopher Giannini if he approves of you, your use of y'all since you weren't born down there. I mean, he said I could say y'all because I lived in Louisiana for five years. So I think you're good. Well, I've lived more of my life in Houston than anywhere else. So yeah, I think you're good. I still say y'all. So well, and I don't say all y'all. So I haven't completely converted. I said all y'all when I lived in Louisiana, but I don't say that anymore. That's just something that I've never done yet. Oh, you've never done it. Okay. Good for you. No, I'm not an all y'all kind of person. Okay. (laughs) So you've answered that second question, which is where are you now, Houston? Now, the third question is basically, why should the Hall of Famer and I visit Houston, Texas, aside from, you know, visiting you, of course, Michelle? Of course. So I was thinking about this. I was like, well, it kind of depends on when you would be coming. So any time of year... Of course, we've got, you know, Space Center Houston. And the funny thing is, like, if you actually came to visit me and wanted to go see the Space Center, it would take you a minimum of an hour to get there. But it's still Houston. Ooh, yeah. And that's yep. the that's the thing about Houston. It is so big. You can drive an hour and you're still technically in Houston. Yeah, I have not heard good things about Houston traffic. They, well, have you? I don't know if you've ever seen this, like, we have, and it's actually by my house, it's like the section of highway. And I want to say it's, if you go include the feeder lanes on the outside, it's 20 lanes wide. Whoa, so that's including no. the HOV lanes, the regular lanes, and the um, feeder lanes. Wow, that's that's bigger than LA. So yeah, they just keep building more roads uh-huh. and they just keep expanding out. Wow. That sounds overwhelming. And quick question. In Texas, can motorcyclists just kind of cruise in between the lanes, like go down the line and go in between cars? You can tell we had just been on a road trip and motorcycles were doing doing this to us illegally. I have never seen motorcyclists do that. Could they do that? Sure. But I have not personally, usually if there's, you know, a bunch of motorcyclists, they're kind of all going down the same, you know, I, I want to say, you know, usually kind of like two by two and they're kind of all working in a group, but I've never had anybody just, you know, zipping around. Okay. Well, that's good. Cause I'm picturing 20 lanes and I'm picturing motorcycles zooming in and out because in LA it's legal in it's California. Legal. It's called lane splitting, I think. Yeah. And that just adds oh, wow. a whole nether, nether level of craziness. Yeah, it does. That's scary. And especially, well, hopefully they were wearing helmets at least. No, no, mm. none of them were. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. Oh my goodness. So sorry to take you off track there. Yeah, the, my bad. With That's the, okay. Uh, That's okay. Splitting. 
But okay, so it sounds like if we came to visit you, we should probably stay in a more central location if we wanted to go to the space, the space museum. If or you the want space to go to the space center, well, or center. if you wanted to go to Galveston, mm-hmm. you could stay on the because the space center is on the southern central part of Houston. And so then you could just go another 45 minutes south from there and get to Galveston, which is, you know, where the Gulf of Mexico is. And there's all kinds of, you know, beach houses and that kind of thing. Oh, So Galveston's fun year round, even though like I, what I didn't know when I moved to Houston, I just assumed it was going to be nice and warm the whole time. We go into the forties in the winter and that's still chilly. You know, you don't want to go walking out on the beach when it's 40 degrees. No, no, you don't. Not even if we had a beach up here, would we do that? Mm, Nope. But yeah, I mean, Galveston is always fun. The Space Center is always fun. But if you came in March, I would say you had to go to the rodeo. So when I moved to Houston, I did not understand what the rodeo is. And it is such a big deal. So it even starts in, so the end of February, we have all these different trails that you have trail riders and they come from all over Texas and they literally they're riding their horses and they're coming in to Houston and the Saturday before the rodeo starts they have this huge parade with all these trail riders and the Friday when all these trail riders are coming in before the parade is called go Texan day so everybody you know wears their best western wear (laughs) and Saturday is the parade and then the rodeo starts and What I didn't, you know, what I knew about the rodeo was they always release, you know, who's going to be playing each night and they get all kinds of, you know, all kinds of different acts. Like um, when Beyonce was in Destiny's Child, Destiny's Child performed at the rodeo and the very famous performance by Selena was at the rodeo. Mm, Okay. So not just country performers. It's not just country performers. Um, One of the big things is Tejano Night. Actually, I saw, I'm going to forget, like, this was hard, hard rock. And I'm going to, Fallout Boy. They had oh, Fallout huh? Boy at the rodeo. Wow. I would not have guessed that. So, yeah, it, they have a huge, wide range of people who play at the rodeo. And they, you know, put out the lineup months in advance and the tickets sell out. Everybody kept telling me I had to go to the rodeo. So we got tickets and knew who was going to be playing. And I thought you just went and you saw the performance. No, you actually see two hours of rodeo and then oh. the performance. Oh. So the performance doesn't usually start until like nine o'clock. Uh-huh. People don't get home until like 11 o'clock. And that's just the rodeo part. Then you've got like the huge carnival, like all, you know, this is over where um, the Astrodome complex. Mm-hmm. So you've got huge parking lots that are now filled with carnival rides and all the, like I went... Is it Karen that goes to the uh, Minnesota State Fair? No, it's Rachel. Rachel. So it's it's very similar to that where you've got all the different places where you can get your food and that kind of thing. And then inside the, um, I can't even remember which building it is, because this is all, you know, like where, um, like where the Texans play, that's where the rodeo is. Oh. But there's other big buildings where they do livestock, you know, livestock shows, and they have tons of different vendors. You, know, you take your little kid and you sit them on top of a, a longhorn and you get their picture taken and <laughs> they have all these giant tractors and your kids can go sit on the tractors and you take pictures with them. And then they have this one area where kids can go through and they've got 
you know, displays of different types of rabbits and different types of pigs and different types of cows. And you can go get these little um, trading cards that have each of them. And so, you know, there's like, you know, 13 of them. So your kids are like, we got to go find the bees. (laughs) But it's a three week thing. And it's pretty much the entire month of March. And every night you have the rodeo where, you know, cowboys are competing. And I had no idea like what all the different, you know, events were. And they've got, you know, steer wrestling and the, um, oh, they have the calf scramble. The best part is the calf scramble. So all these kids, they, they get selected. There's more kids than there are calves. The calves start in this (laughs) middle ring and then they let them go. And the kids have to catch them, put a harness on them, and take them back into the middle part of the ring. And they get money to buy a calf and raise it, and then they bring it back the next year and show it. Oh, oh that's cool. It is nothing like I had ever experienced, but it, it's a lot of fun. So you watch two hours of rodeo, and then you watch the concert, and then you go home and you are so tired the next day. I don't know how people go more than once. It is huge. I have never seen anything like it. So if you were coming in March, I would say, you know, you, you would want to come for the rodeo. I would never tell you to come in August or September because we are right now in peak hurricane season. So if we're going to get hit by a major storm, middle of August to the end of September are the peak weeks where that would happen. But if you did come in August... I would tell you that you had to be here because Houston is actually a huge um, food city. And we have this thing called Houston Restaurant Weeks. And so all of these restaurants will put together um, a lunch menu and a dinner menu. And it's a, you know, fixed price thing. And you get to choose an appetizer, an entree, and a dessert. And part of the money goes to the Houston Food Bank. And it is, it started out as one week And it was so popular that it ended up being the entire month of August. And there are tons of really good restaurants that if, you know, normally you couldn't afford to go, you know, try out their food, you can go and do restaurant weeks and maybe you can't pick everything off the menu, but you can at least try their food. Wow, that's a great idea. It's, and so it's a lot of fun. I haven't done it since the pandemic, but yeah, if you, if you are a foodie, Houston restaurant weeks are the thing to do during August. I would like that. So yeah, it's cool. It's really cool. And if you were here in late October or early November, then I would tell you you had to be here for the International Quilt Show or more likely than not, playoff baseball. I was going to say, are you going to say the Astros Uh in the playoffs? That's what I thought you would say. Well, I wanted to ask you about, you know, I know know you're an Astros fan. So I wanted, I did want to ask you about your thoughts on the whole cheating scandal with that. How do people in Houston feel about that? Is it, is it widespread? Oh, we're pissed at them. Or is it widespread? They didn't, everybody's doing that. That's, they didn't deserve the punishment. Or is it a little mix of something in between? Or what do you, what do you think? So I think there's definitely the, yeah, we're not the only ones that did it. We just are the ones that got caught. Mm-hmm. For me, I I just can't I can't get too revved up about the cheating scandal because it happened during Harvey. Like that year that we won the World Series. That That's was right. the year that so many houses were just gutted. 
mm-hmm. and it was the only thing that was somewhat normal in a time that was not normal at all. That gave you something to cheer about. Oh yeah. And I mean, some of those games were just, I mean, the, just the roller coaster of, you know, are we going to lose? No, we won. How did we win? That was crazy. So I, I will never harbor bad thoughts because I know how much, I don't want to say goodwill. Um, it just boosted morale. Yeah. And that's something yeah. that, I mean, there were so many people who were flooded and had lost everything and didn't know what they were going to be doing next. And they, you know, they were displaced from their homes and they had one thing that they could cheer about. So for me, I know that they cheated and I will still always have warm feelings for that team. Yeah. It's kind of like the the saints after hurricane Katrina going on to win the super bowl. Yeah. A lot like that. Yeah. Totally, totally understandable. Now I'll tell you what, if the twins make the playoffs and at this point they are, they were ahead of the guardians. Like, I don't know, at some point, 10 games ahead. Well, now the guardians have a one and a half game lead or a two game lead or something. So there's no guarantee the twins are going to do this, but if they make the playoffs, there are two teams that they have no shot at beating the Yankees and the Astros. If by some miracle they beat them, they will not beat the Dodgers. I know this because I just saw them get whipped mm-hmm. in a two-game series against the Dodgers. So the Astros are having a fantastic year. They are. The thing that's crazy is that you know they got rid of um, they got rid of the manager. They got rid of the general manager. Most of that team isn't even there anymore. And you've got Carlos Correa, right? Yes. And that was my next question I was going to ask you: Is Carlos Correa is with the Twins? Anytime they're on the road, every time he comes up to bat, he gets booed. And most of the time, it's not too bad. You can hear it on the TV, but the commentators usually don't mention it. But at the Dodger game, it was so loud. There's no way they couldn't mention it. And they even talked about it. Um, One of the sideline reporters, I guess it's not sideline, baseline reporters, said they did a story on it and and how he says it doesn't bother him and actually he feels comforted comforted by it and it's uh-huh. weird when they don't boo him so it uh-huh. gives him extra motivation but they were so loud and then they chanted cheater cheater and I had not heard that in any other location so I was just wondering if that is still going on when you watched your Astros play a team out of town you know, I think there's still some of that that's going on, but I think, you know, there are very few players left. I mean, um, Altuve's left mm-hmm. and. Um, is Bregman gone? No, Bregman is still there. Okay. Bregman's still there. And they call him um, the Pino because of his, his hair looks like a pineapple on the top. And I'm, <sighs> I'm just blanking his name. So, I mean, there are a few players left. And of course, Verlander's still there. Yeah. But Better for the most ever. part, you know, that central core isn't even there anymore. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're kind of cheering for a bunch of new guys that they they do know what they're doing when they're um, scouting. I guess they don't recruit, they scout. Because right. that was the other thing is, um, you know, I don't know if you remember this. This was before the years that we started going to the World Series. There was somebody, I think, from the Cardinals that used a back door to hack into the Astros system. Yes, and they I were do remember. And scouting reports. Yeah, yep, I do. So, so that tells you all you need to know, that they're good at it. 
and people want to know what they're doing. Yeah, so it's interesting um, watching Correa go through this by himself at this with the twins because you know nobody else is getting booed when they get up to the plate. I, you know, I well particularly the Dodgers because that's who they beat for, in that World Series. Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. But also Correa was, I don't want to say he was not repentant, but I, th- I think he was just like, you know, it happened. It is what it is. Deal with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He doesn't seem particularly remorseful. He may be at another team, but he is not forgiven. No, it doesn't seem like he is. Um, Michelle, do you have any other places you think we should visit, or are those the main ones? I mean, I realize Houston's a huge city. Before we move on to the wheel question. So the other well, so the other thing that I was saying in this late October and early November is the uh, International Quilt Festival. Oh, huh. I want to say the first year that the Astros were in the World Series that um, they I want to say the the World Series was happening at the same time as the quilt show, and all the all the um, hotels were booked. Is Minute Maid Park and where they um and the George R. Brown Convention Center are right next to each other. So all Uh-oh. the dancing hotels were already booked with all these quilters. So all these people <laughs> were trying to you know go to the World Series and they can't get a hotel room because hmm. there's all these quilters all over the place. Those damn quilters. That's funny. But yeah, that was particularly funny because nobody knew that. I think because I think that was the year that like in April, Richard Justice and the sports team, they put like a tombstone on the front page of the sports section of the Chronicle and basically said, rest in peace this baseball season. And then they went to the World Series. Oh, funny. Okay, so if we are you up for a, a quick wheel question? Uh, Yes, of course. All right. So let us spin the wheel. Question number one. Oh, okay. I've heard Runza sandwiches are a Midwest thing. Mm -hmm. Is there anything you can think of that is a Southern or Texas thing and then if so, other than geography, what makes it a Texas thing? So the first thing that I learned when I got to Houston was that, you know, you had to go get kolaches. And I was like, what in the world is a kolache? I'm asking that same thing right now. Yes. So apparently there were a lot of German immigrants that were in the hill country. And a kolache, it's, it's one of two things. The savory kind is basically like a pig in the blanket. So you've got like a bread dough and then you put any combination of things in it. So so my favorite is the sausage and cheese, but there's sausage, egg and cheese, um, bacon, egg and cheese. The one kolache place that I like the best, they have a barbecue. They do a monthly thing. And so one of them was like cheeseburger. Basically, if you can wrap it in bread. So it's it's kind of like a runza that way, but it's, it's not... This, the kind of filling in a runza. It's usually considered, you know, either a breakfast food, sometimes a lunch food. The other kind of kolache, you would take that same bread and you'd kind of put a little well in it, like a, like a thumbprint cookie, and you would put different kinds of fruit preserves. So you could have oh. strawberry or cherry or peach. Um, they do a couple of savory ones. They do like a cream spinach and they'll do it that way instead of wrapping it inside the inside the dough. 
And then there's like a sweetened cream cheese. Ooh, now I'd like that. They're, they are fantastic. So if you've never had a kolache, that, that is one thing that you would want to do. I know for sure they're in Houston. And then I think if you're going into like the hill country and then into Austin, you can definitely find them. But yeah, I had never heard of them until I got to, got here and they are totally worth it. And then the other thing that I don't know how true this is or not now, but they said if you go anywhere above, well, it's not really I-10. It's a little bit further than I-10. You just can't get decent Tex-Mex. Oh. So queso is kind of a way of life around here. Oh, I love some queso. Yeah. Queso. I'm always up for it. Queso. So, and then of course, you know, good, good barbecue. I mean, there's good barbecue everywhere. Texas yep. is definitely more of a brisket, you know, if yes. you're going to, as opposed to, um, you know, some places it's more uh, ribs or um, pork shoulder, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Around here, it's definitely brisket. Yeah, definitely. I, I know that from my time in Austin that I've spent. How does, how do you spell kolache? K-O-L-C, K-O-L-A-C-H-E. Okay. And we know what? We have not been to uh, Minute Maid Park. That is on our list. So this is a real possibility. I would definitely eat both of those things too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, I would. Well, there's so, I mean, there is so much good food because Houston really, it's a huge international city. So you can get great Vietnamese food, great Korean food, pretty much anything you want, you can get here. I, the only thing that I haven't heard that is really, really great is maybe Italian food. But I mean, we've got some amazing, you know, well-known chefs that are in the city. Interesting. You don't think I, when I think of Houston, I don't think of great food. You know, you think of great food in New York City, for instance. But uh, I'm always up for trying great food anywhere. I don't care where it is. I'm in. Yeah. Okay. And in speaking of food, I've got one more question for you that the Hall of Famer and I answered in the first segment. And then okay. we'll and then we'll wrap it up. It's actually your question. The question about your go-to stadium food. Do you have one? So I do. What and this has been since like the very first game that I've been to in Houston. They have what they call a brisket baked potato or a barbecue baked potato. And so the the kiosk, like you could get, you know, your brisket or whatever, but they take these very, very large baked potatoes and then they put brisket and sour cream and cheese and mm. barbecue sauce. And oh it is, it's giant. And it's, wow. the, it is the best value you can get there. It's, <laughs> now it's been a while since I've been to a baseball game, but you know, it's less than 10 bucks. Wow, at least the last really time good. I did it. And I'm like, you can't get anything for around $10 in the stadium. No, it costs $14 for a helmet nacho at uh, Target's Field. So that is my go-to because it is really filling and it's not something that I would make for myself. And Uh it's one of the most affordable things you can get at the stadium. That sounds really good. Now, you're really, really building up Houston here for us. It might have to be the next trip. It is not a beautiful city. It is got so much pavement and you know it's nobody moves here because they think that is a great beautiful city uh-huh but it's got you know it's got so many different businesses that are here and i'm sure a lot of businesses are here because you don't pay state income tax when you live here mm, sure so yep. there are reasons why there are well and it's a port city you know that oh uh-huh. gosh the yep. 
the ship channel area. And that's, it is something else to see all these ships that are bringing stuff in. So, I mean, oh, yeah. it's, that'd be cool. You know, it is an amazing, really cool city, but it is not pretty at all. Well, that's good to know too. I won't need to use so much space on my camera. <laughs> well, Michelle, thank you so much for joining us. We oh, this was so much fun. Yeah. There's a sticker coming your way, and I believe that Houston is in the central time zone as well. So figure that yeah. out as far as whether or not why we're both in the central time zone. So I hope you had a really good central standard time tonight. I absolutely had the best central standard time. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks so much. Taste test with the Hall of Famer. Yeah, it's time. It's time for a little taste test with the Hall of Famer. Now, we are going to switch it up a little. Thanks to the suggestion of Sarah Schultz, my buddy that we ate lunch with in Fond du Lac this past week. She suggested, well, she kind of suggested that we do a flight of different beers and we're like no because we do not want to we we would feel badly if we threw away beer if we didn't like it we'd feel badly and so we don't want to do like five or four or five beers and then we only like one and then we're throwing away the rest and if we'd like them we'll be totally wasted so we're not doing a flight but we have added one beer because we mm -hmm. think we can handle one and a half each but if it comes back that the Hoffer likes two and I like one, the Hoffer might be blasted, but I'm not. So it's all good. So I might just have to take one for the team. We'll see. But it was a yes. nice compromise. Nice compromise. And so there's also another little uh, twist to the taste test with the Hall of Famer that the Hall of Famer came up with. And so why don't you explain? Oh, yes. Yep. Yes, I did have a, a great idea because now we have... We if have, you do say so yourself. Yeah, I mean, I'm patting my back. We now have a ton of beer. Yes. Slash cider. Like, mm -hmm. we're good to go for a while because we have some from Patrick Smith. We have some from Sarah. And we have some from Kim Wilson and Ed Buck. Yeah, we we cannot even store this all in one place. So no. we, we, have, we have so much beer right now that I had to label the beers with who gave them to us. And they're... They're not in the fridge right now. Uh, no. They're just all over because we don't have room in the fridge. We had to move them to the east wing. Yes. Yeah. So so what I decided is we shouldn't just do all of Patrick's. We should mix in a variety of people's. So today, because we already had two in the fridge ready to go, we're going to do two of Patrick's and one of Sarah's. Sarah Schultz. Mm -hmm. Okay. For this. All right. For tonight. And Sarah Schultz had another suggestion. And that was, apparent. I mean, she didn't say this, but kind of comes back to I don't think she thinks you do a great job of describing the can Ugh. because she suggested we take a little video of you showing the can so mm. we're going to do that I'm not sure how we'll share that but we'll share that somehow we're all about pleasing the people yeah okay mm -hmm. are we ready to start because I'm yes, ready we're to ready. get my drink on okay this first one is from Blake's Hard Cider because you know I love some Blake's. Okay, so that must be from Patrick's. Yes, yep. And it's called Caramel Apple. And it's from the Kinder series, um, the the initiatives that they take. Uh, and let's let's let me just describe this lovely can to you. It looks like it's straight out of fall and like Halloween time because there's a a, a green apple with caramel just dripping off of it. And then it's written in yellowish and green caramel apple. And 
What? Nothing. Perfectly described. And, you know, the can has nice light greenish color and brown. And, I mean, you can, the picture you have in your mind right now, yeah, it's correct. Mm -hmm. They say, dripping with caramel sweetness and complemented by notes of sharp Granny Apples, uh, Granny Smith Apples, this decadent treat is a fall staple. Made in support of urban farming initiatives, this kinder, uh, hashtag kinder cider exemplifies our shared passion of growing and providing communities with fresh produce. Ooh. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, speaking of Patrick Smith, he did send us the recipe for the outstanding sandwiches he made us. So I haven't shared that with you yet. And so we need to get going on that too. So good. Yeah, go ahead. All right. Cracking this baby open. Okay. In our new glasses. Storm new Cloud s- Brewery. Yeah. Since somebody broke our other one, then we bought two this time. We're not making that same mistake again. Yes. Somebody broke it and I broke it. I broke it. I broke it in a way that I probably should share now. But <laughs> No, you, know, you definitely need to. Yeah. It's... So if you've ever seen the movie Cocktail, where he flips all the glasses around, Tom Cruise flips the glasses up and catches them, and, and then flips the, dirt, the alcohol bottles up, catches them. Well, I do this almost every time I unload the dishwasher. I take one glass and I flip it up and I catch it. And uh, I mean, nobody's there. I'm not impressing anyone but myself. And uh, well, I didn't catch the Storm Cloud Brewing one and it broke all over inside the dishwasher <laughs> and I'm all by myself. And I had to laugh because like I knew I had to tell the Hoffer that how I broke it. And I knew that there would just be there would be no, you know, yelling or screaming. There would just be laughter like you idiot. And that's kind of what happened. And I, I, I certainly didn't need to fess up because I was all by myself. I could have said I just bumped it with my elbow and it fell off the counter <laughs> but I thought it was super funny that I broke it by flipping it up like Tom Cruise but can we just say that I've probably caught 500 straight and the yeah. 501 is the broke you know it's good you can't be perfect well and of course you had to drop one of my you know it was like my favorite one yeah mine too now we have another one and then I believe if I have this correct you you texted me um I have some bad news <laughs> I don't remember doing that. Yeah, pretty sure you did. Probably tried to butter you up a little yep, bit. Yep, that's right. right. What's it right. smell like? All right, let's move on. Ooh, you can smell the caramel. Some caramel hints in there. Caramel notes. Yeah, I there's the no bud. head on this, but I suppose no. that's it's a cider. What is the ABV? You did not oh, announce it. My gosh, I haven't done this for a while. ABV is six point five percent. Alcohol by Excellent. volume for all you people that don't know. Yep, I got the buds back. Let's see how it works. That's right. Mm. Oh, we should review the rating system. Okay. Zero is ish. One, criminy. Two, oofta. Three, it's interesting. Four, ah, oh, geez, that's good. And five, you, you betcha. Okay. I was... In the zone with my tasting, I gotta try one more because you know I always gotta do two anyway. Hmm. This one's messing with my mind a little bit because you could definitely taste the caramel. Okay, I, she's handing it to me. Yeah, and it's it. I'm giving it a three. Like it is interesting. I wouldn't order it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't buy a six pack of it or order it if, if we went to a bar. 
I don't think they would have that one on. No, they track. wouldn't. No. So I I would drink it, but I wouldn't order it again. All right. I do smell the hints of caramel, and here we go. Well, I have to say that I I have been drinking a Diet Pepsi, mm-hmm. and so I feel like that's interfering a little bit. The Diet Pepsi is not what I would have preferred. I would have preferred Diet Coke, but <laughs> sidebar. The Hoffer <laughs> brought home Diet Pepsi. I had asked her to bring some Diet Coke home. I just wanted one. I was craving it. She brought home Diet Pepsi, and that's fine. She called me on the way home and said, I could only find Diet Pepsi here. I will go get you Diet Coke somewhere else if you want. I said, no, Diet Pepsi is fine. What I'm saying is either Diet Pepsi or Diet Coke would have messed up my buds for this. Yes. Uh, but if don't, I'm... Don't blame it on the buds. Well, I mean, it tastes weird. It's an aftertaste because of Diet mm. Pepsi. I'm going to mm. try it again. Yeah. Try it again. Second time's a charm. Yeah, I think I like that more than you. I think I'd give mm. that a three plus or four oh, minus. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I might be drinking that one later. Yeah, you might be. Okay. All right. What's the next one? All right. The next one is also from Patrick. And this one is called Cherry Cheesecake Sour. It's a small batch ale, cherry cheesecake Berliner. Berliner? 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 Yeah. Okay, so it's not a it's not a cider, it's a beer. Yep, it's a sour. And it is 5.5% alcohol by volume. And it is from White Birch Brewing out of New Hampshire. Okay. Cool. And um, to describe the label perfectly, it is a lovely label with uh, two slices of cherry pie. Mm-hmm. Written above it is cherry. Underneath says cheesecake. And it's dripping with cherries. And then underneath it says sour. So we have a lot of red on the label along with some creamish, beige-ish color. To mimic a cheesecake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it just looks ooey, gooey, and delicious. Yeah, and I'm I don't cracking know. it open. I don't know if I'm going to like this. I'm, I am going to like it. I have a really good... Whoa. We got some head on this one. Yeah. All right, here we go. It's going in the second storm cloud glass, which is a different shape. We mm. went with two different mm. ones. You know what? I apologize. I did not talk about the color of that last one. It's... it's um. It's yellow. Well, I was going to say with the tint of brown. It has more of a brown tint to it. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Yep. This one is golden with a tint of red, I would say. I don't know. About Very. That. I think it looks like a golden ale. Okay. It looks like a river beer. Ooh. Whoa. You can smell like the pastry in it. Oh, okay. Cheesecake ish. I don't smell much cherry though. All right, I'm going in. Mm mm. Wait, well, oh. you didn't even swallow it. Whoa, nope. Once it hits the lips, that was not good. Oh, that right there. There's too much going on. This company is trying too hard. Is mm. what they're doing. Let me try one more though. Oh yeah, you got to make sure that you hate it. Oh no, <laughs> zero oh. one. Oh, because it's a sour, I can't give it a zero. I just can't because I, I love sours. I do not understand that. I do. I love sours, but all. I do not love the sour, well, and I give it a one. Don't love all sours. Ugh. I think you could. You should feel free to give it a zero. Oh, okay, zero. Fine. Okay. Zero equals oh. ish. Ish. Yeah. And ish is right. Okay. Well, I don't. Ugh. Oh, I don't really think I smell pastry. I got I to wash it down she, with some of the other stuff. Okay. Cider. Well, you didn't really. That was a three. Why didn't you mm. wash it down with Diet mm. Pepsi? Right now, it tastes like a five. Okay. 
Oof. Well, um, this makes me think I'm going to like this. Mm. Do you think I'm going to like this? No. Oh. The, the, the mix of flavors is just like, whoa, what's happening here? To me, it doesn't smell like pastries. Mm. It smells like some sort of baby powder. <laughs> baby powder? <Yeah. laughs> Maybe that's why it tasted so awful. Okay. <laughs> baby powder. All right, here we go. Yeah, I mean, that's not awful. I'm not going to give it a zero. But it doesn't really have great flavor. Like, I don't taste cherries or cheesecake in this. What do you taste? I don't know. Besides baby powder. I don't I don't taste baby powder. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, Rue wants to go outside. <laughs> yeah, she does. Uh, I don't know if they anybody can hear that in the background, but she pushed the outside button, which means she wants to go outside. Excuse me for a moment, please. TV time out. Rue, you want to go outside? Okay. Fine. Go ahead. <laughs> Silly dog. All right. Sorry about that. Rue is now outside chasing bunnies. Okay. I'm taking another drink. Yeah, I mean, it's it seems sort of blah. Oh. I don't taste any of those things. Certainly did not seem blah to me. I would call that, that isn't something I would necessarily order, but I'd call it a three. It's interesting. Wow. Three minus. Maybe I've got some bad buds today. Maybe you aren't completely recovered from Maybe your not. congestion. Maybe not. All right, go ahead. The All right. last one. We're finishing up here. Now, this one is from our buddy Sarah. And this is from Down East Brewing Company. Let's see where they're from. Oh, this is from Boston, Massachusetts. Oh. Excellent. Okay. Okay. Blueberries and pie. Delicious. Oh, it's cider. Okay. Yeah, ABV. It's a cider. ABV. ABV. This can is very hard to see what's happening here. Mm-hmm. Oh, five percent. Five percent. Which okay. is which is low for low a cider. Low for a cider. It is low exactly. for a cider. The can is a very light bluish gray, and it says unfiltered. Ooh, I love unfiltered cider. Mm-hmm. Yep, because it gives it that kind of cloudy, fuller feeling. I think. You think? Yeah, it, that that's you know an expert opinion here. Mm-hmm. So it's unfiltered craft cider. I'm just going to go ahead and open it. Excellent job describing the can. Thank you. You know exactly what it looks like now. Yes, I do. All right, here we go. Whoa. Okay. That, my friends, is unfiltered. Uh, yeah, and it looks like blue. It doesn't look like blueberries. It kind of looks raspberry-ish mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Minimal to no head. Yep, and it, it is like hazy. You and can't see yep, through it. Yep. Smell it. Yep. Sniff it. Oh, yep. You get a you get hit, but it almost it almost uh, it was almost like a hit of blue raspberry. So yeah, we'll go with the blue blueberry action. Right. Okay, I'm going for it. Mm. Oh, now we're talking. She's now smiling. Now we're talking. People. Ear to ear smiles. Good job, Sarah Schultz. Mm. I just got a really nice blueberry flavor. Mm-hmm. Once it hits the lips, and this is in a good way. This right here is a five. You betcha. You betcha. Wow. Especially, maybe maybe it's because I'm comparing it to the other two. Yeah, you can't do that. I don't know, but in my mind, I'm going to a five. Okay, my turn. Mm, that's a winner right there. What did you say? You said you smelled blueberries? Yeah, so it's definitely fruity. <laughs> She's like burying her new nose in it. Yeah, I think you and I have a lot of different... What's it smell different- like to you? I guess there's a little bit of blueberry that I can kind of smell, but only because I know to look for it. I'm thinking about looking mm. for it. I think your nose is off. 
Wow, like she's trying to inhale the entire <laughs> class. <laughs> Just go for well, it. Well, I mean, I am still stuffed up, so maybe my nose yeah. is off. All right, here we go. I can't really tell you what it smells like. It's not baby powder. No, it's not. Mm, okay. Yeah, that's five for you. So yeah. that'll be yours. Yes. Um, Let me try it one more. It's really good, though, and you know it. Mm-mm. What? No, it's not really good. I'd wow. put it at a three. <gasps> wow. Yeah, so you're definitely drinking that I one. I am totally drinking that one. Why only a three? I don't know. Wow. Maybe okay. Maybe our tongues are both off. Yeah, Our mine so. is Like, all three of them didn't taste too... They didn't have much flavor. Oh. However, the the stout that I had at Stormcloud last yeah. weekend, I liked that a lot, and that had flavor to me. And things that I'm eating that I like have flavor. So I just think these are all just flavorless Ooh. overall. Wow. Bit harsh. What a critic. Not fav- flavorless, but just not... Like cherry, if you call something cherry cheesecake, you got to make it at least taste like cherry or Mm -hmm. cheesecake. Back it up with some cherry. Or cheesecake. To me, it it smelled like baby powder. I don't know what it tasted (laughs) like. But that that is no knock on Patrick Smith. Nope. He doesn't make the beer. He doesn't make the cider. He just picks it out and we drink it. That's right. Next time I think we're going to have to get you a stout. In our taste test. Oh, sure. Okay, speaking of next time, we'll see you next time. Hope you Woo-hoo. had a great Central Standard time. Oh, I did. Bye. All right, that's it. That's the podcast. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Twitter at Midwest Bias Pod, and you can email your questions and comments to MidwestBiasPod at gmail.com. Be sure to rate and review and subscribe or follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Overcast, that's where I get my podcasts. And no, Overcast is not a sponsor of this podcast yet. But Best Rubber Stamp is. Thanks so much to Best Rubber Stamp and Christopher Giannini and all the folks over there. You can find them at bestrubberstamp.net. Email them at stamps at bestrubberstamp.net. Or give them a call at 901-278-4500. Mention Midwest Bias, get 20% off your first order. And especially be sure to rate and review this podcast if you really like it. If you don't like it, no worries, don't even waste your time. Really, it's fine. So thank you. I appreciate it, and I appreciate you. Bye now. I absolutely had the best central standard time.